We're talking about you and your identity, and we've been talking about it for some time. But today, in this particular lesson, we are going deeper, deeper than we've ever been in this discussion. So stay with us. This is All Things Apostolic, and we are glad to have you with us. We have been talking about now for some time you and your identity. Yesterday, we opened a new area of this discussion that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a little deeper. Uh, what we are contending here is that to really find your identity on the deep and permanent level that's just last a lifetime, okay? Uh, to find that, you, you, you can't find that unless you have a biblical prescription of how to find that. And the perfect example of finding that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who was uh, uh, the most perfectly formed, uh, identity-conscious person in history. He knew exactly who he was. He knew he never made a misstep in his uh, work because his behavior was all based upon his perfect picture of his identity. So how did he get this identity? Okay, so look, I can't go back and reteach everything I taught yesterday. So you, you probably need to listen to that one before you listen to this one. But if you can't do that, this one's going to be uh, able to stand on its own two feet. So stick with us. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus lived 30 years as the son of Mary. He knew who his heavenly father was. He knew that um, Joseph was really his stepfather. He was conscious of that. He grew in stature, the Bible says, and in favor with God and man. We're talking now about the human man, Jesus. Many people do not think of it this way, but he was not only fully God, he was fully man also. He, he wasn't like the God-man. I mean, people say that, um, I guess it's okay, but it's not really correct. He wasn't a mixture of half God and half man, and there's no place you could have cut him and found half God here and half man here. Uh, but his, his, his holy... W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy manhood uh, that he was as a human is our prime example really for, for everything in life, but it is our prime example for <clears throat> you and I and our identity. And so we found that he lived for 30 years and uh, was just like one of the guys in the city. He, people liked him. He had favor with people. He had the favor of God on his life, which means the blessing of God, which, which means he was successful in um, areas of his life. He was, when you talk about have, having the favor of God, that's having the grace of God. That's having, number six talks about the prayer that God instructed Moses, that, that Aaron and his sons was to say to Israel, um, constantly. And uh, it was a blessing that they were to give to them. And the blessing was that God's face would smile on you and that God's favor is going to be with you. This is, this is like, you talk about a parent. Israel was considered to be uh, 
God's son. It's a corporate sonship, but, but was considered to be God's son. So think of this. This is what this father, God, this is how God told the people that helped him raise his kids to tell them every day that your father said that he's smiling on you. His favor is on you. As a father, are you doing this? His favor is on you. He's saying to them, I love you, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to bless you. Now, what kind of assurance is this for kids? And I'm going to uh, give assurance to you that everything's going to be okay. And my smile is upon you. The smile of God indicates blessing and uh, multiplication. Uh, uh, It's all kinds of blessings. It's blessings of health. It's blessings spiritually. And it's blessings materially. And so this is the favor of God. So when the Bible says that Jesus had the favor of God, it indicates that Jesus was successful because God blessed him. So you and I are supposed to be successful. We are supposed to be whatever our purpose in life is. The intent is that we are effective in that. So that's a little side lesson on this. So Jesus gets baptized, and when he's baptized, this part we mentioned yesterday, the heavens opened. The Bible says the heavens opened. And, the, and a voice spoke and said, uh, this is my beloved son. One place he said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. So the hear ye him is because when he said, this is my beloved son, this was actually a ritual that the bar mitzvah of Jews with their 12-year-old sons today is actually a takeoff of this scriptural thing that happened to Jesus when he was 30 years old. It's announced by the father of the household, this is my beloved son. Now, he'd already been the beloved son. Everybody in town comes to these bar mitzvahs. They all knew this boy. Their kids were raised together and played together and went to school together and so forth. But when he announces, this is my beloved son, it's son by declaration. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter one, verses three and four, that he was son by birth, according to the flesh, according to being a son of David. And then he is declared to be the son of God, which is a whole different thing. It's what happens when the a time appointed by the Father, Galatians says, there's a time appointed by the Father in which he announces that this is the Son over this household, and as the Son over that household, he has authority. So we went through that yesterday, and so today, this is where we start. There is this revelation that comes to Jesus, this revelation that really it's a revelation of his responsibilities that the father in life has laid out for him. It's a, it's a revelation of his identity, not only what he's going to do, but who he is going to be that is now being given to him. And this is something that up to this time in the life of young Jesus, this had never occurred. Now, my contention is that everyone who finds their genuine purpose in life finds it in an encounter with God. 
You say, well, Brother Wilson, you can't prove that. Well, let me tell you what I can prove. I can prove that this is true of every great biblical leader in Scripture for which we have an extended definition of the explanation of the things of their life. They had such an encounter, and in some cases, plural encounters. So, you see, this is why somebody has mentioned in the past that you need to write some popular books that's that's uh, easy to read about leadership and so forth. Well, this is one of the problems with that, is that the leadership that we teach, the leadership that we believe is the highest world class, if you please, leadership that there is, cannot be attained unless there's a spiritual component to it. And that spiritual component comes from encounter with God, not an imaginary encounter, a real encounter, a visionary encounter. So what do you mean, Dr. Wilson, by a visionary encounter? Well, what I mean by that is that you you have a vision of God and his purposes, a vision from God, a vision of God's being. I don't mean the shape of God, but an encounter with the what would you say the personality of God of the of the it's a relational thing where you you actually encounter God in a living manner. And in that one of my contentions also is is no man ever sees himself or woman sees themselves like we really are in our essence undistilled unclouded unmixed, uncompounded with anything else. How God sees us. If you want to use Bible language, we are made in the image of God. What does Nathaniel Wilson look like? That of him that's made in the image of God. Well, I can tell you, it looks perfect because everything, every good and perfect gift comes down from above and life comes from above. So somewhere in the infinite mind of God, in the infinite, in the eternal, in the ideal, in the perfect that's above earth, because this is imperfect, somewhere there is a me. To the degree that I find the identity of that ideal self, to that degree, I am a fulfilled person, and I understand, and I'm gratified by what happens in my life. So when you have a vision of God, you have a vision of that self, and it is, it is like catastrophic to everything, because you see that self, you see that self that is doing things that you can't do that is accomplishing things that you can't accomplish, that in Nazareth, Jesus never saw the scope of all of this as a boy. Now you see this, and then you see where you are at right now. So that's your essential self-essence. It's not distilled with any mix. The essence of who you are 
to see the essence of who you are is to have a visionary encounter with God. When you see that, and then you see this, you respond like Isaiah responded when he saw this. And he said, woe is me, for I am a man undone and a man of unclean lips. I can't match that. I, I, that I, the gap between me in existence and me in perfection is too great. I can never get there. But at the same time, that gap is what we call potential. That's potential. So we're here and we see. Some people say, I don't ever want God to give me a vision of myself because I'll be so pathetic that I, I, I can't stand it. No, no, it's going to be just the opposite. When you, when you see the vision that God gives, it's going to be a beautiful you. It's going to be a spectacular you. It's going to be a, a, a you that is demonstrably many times greater than what you are in your existing state down here. And, and that you is where God wants to take you. Not only a successful you, but an incredibly powerful you. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. But we're in deep water now because you have to give your life to God to see that. And so you're saying, well, I want, I want, you know, I want my identity, but I don't want to give my life to God. Oh, well, you'll have to go to a different podcast <laughs> because the level of identity that we're talking about is the highest level. It's not a survival level. We're not teaching here just survival stuff. We're teaching here the highest possibilities that humans can reach to and that can be attained. And so ultimately we reach that perfection only when we are translated at the time of the rapture, at the time when, when we encounter God again and we are judged in this world and the Bible says we're given a new body. And we don't know exactly, John said, what that body is like, but we know that it is going to be like him who rose from the dead and was transfigured. And, and uh, we see him in Revelation 1 after he was transfigured. And he is, everything about it is powerful and glorious. And um, <clears throat> uh, it's, a different, it's a different kind of, it's, it's the perfection. So to be a leader in this world, to be successful in this world, entails being a leader. Being a leader simply means you're doing the will of God for your life. And if you're doing the will of God, you're a witness to what God does. So a witness takes a leadership position. They act and they open conversations and they say, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And if you can't ever preach anything else, that's part of it is here's God did this for me. God will do this for you. And what I'm talking about here today, which may seem so far afield from where some of you are, you're not that far at all. It's real. He's done it for a lot of us. We're not perfect. But we see a pretty good view of the perfect. And we see how far we are from it. We don't have to have our critics tell us how far we are from it. We know how far we are from it. 
but we aspire to get there and we know we're in the beam of the mighty alignment that God has for us. And therein is found identity and fulfillment.